0: It is always inspiring to see sports teams and athletes use their power and platforms to create positive social change. And today I'm talking with professor and social responsibility champion, Dr. Sean M. Anderson about the importance of sports and athletes in transforming society. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. Dr. Anderson uses his research and scholarship to help sports teams be more effective in their community impact initiatives. He has a lot of ideas that I'm sure you will find interesting. Dr. Sean M. Anderson is an internationally recognized scholar, author, and professor at Loyola Marymount University and founder and CEO of CSR Global Consulting, LLC, a consultancy that advises organizations in building social responsibility initiatives. Enjoy our conversation and see show notes for more information about Dr. Sean M. Anderson. As always, please subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and also give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Thank you. Enjoy our conversation. It's another day of the Empowerment Zone and, you know, here at the Empowerment Zone, we're all about centering and elevating African-American voices and personalities and people who are making an impact. And today I have a treat for you. We have Dr. Sean Anderson with us today, who is really about promoting the importance of sport in making a social impact. And so uh, I am uh, delighted that we're gonna have a conversation about how sports uh, is used to to make a social impact and how it actually changes the world. So here we are. So welcome, uh, Dr. Sean Anderson.
1: Thanks for having me, glad to be here.
0: Yes, welcome to the Empowerment Zone.
1: Oh, yeah, this is uh, I've uh, been looking forward to this and uh, be ready to talk about uh, how things are impactful, you know, through the through the realm of sport.
0: Yeah, so I understand you are a scholar uh, and uh, so you've done a lot of research uh, within the field of sports. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and uh, your field of study and how you, you know, started studying sports.
1: Absolutely. So, um I am currently a a the department chair and associate professor of communication at Loyola Marymount University, um here in Los Angeles. I've been here for 7 years now. Still trying to get used to LA. <laughs> in some cases, uh because I was born and raised in a small city called Pine Bluff, Arkansas, um in the south uh, football is the 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 path to go in many cases if you're wanting to sort of leave the hood and become successful. Uh, but I had a a thought process then about the fact that I I, I love sports, but I necessarily didn't want to go pro. It was more so of a well, why can't I own a team? or why can't I be the next Stuart Scott on ESPN, being a sports anchor or a sports attorney or something like that. Um, And so those sort of imaginations went through uh, my path uh, through undergraduate, you know, being an undergraduate, graduating from there, going to be a sports producer for a local television station. And then um, it was a former professor who was like, hey, Sean, you know, you're good with research and finding out information why don't you go ahead and pursue a graduate degree? And so I did that. And uh, both in mass communication, and then that master's degree professor was like, I still see your talent in research, go and pursue a PhD. Mm-hmm. And I was initially like, no way, I'm not, I'm tired of school. I'm not doing that. And so I went and um, got a job in industry for a couple of years. That research book came back and that same professor was like, I told you you should try it. And so I said, okay, I'll I'll reluctantly apply for a doctoral. Um got a full ride at West Virginia University. Um and started there in 2013, um, graduated in 2016, and um it I got so great with, you know. The, doing the work in my PhD program, that my dissertation was actually working with Major League Baseball and their diversity outreach initiatives. And so that ended up turning into a couple of studies and that spawned really my trajectory in how we can see sport having an influence and an impact on how our society should be. You know, it's, it's it, we still need things to happen but I'm, I'm taking that unique path and seeing how sport can kind of call out these larger social issues. And this is uh, where I am today with the work that I do.
0: Interesting uh, that it's always a professor that sees something else in us that we don't see in ourselves, right?
1: Exactly. And especially
0: being a product of an HBCU that yes. they guide us in, in the, uh, in the direction we should go. Mm-hmm. Um so you went to, what's the HBCU in Pine Bluff?
1: So, uh, we call it the yard. I'm sure it's called like that in other places, but, uh, it's the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, uh, yeah, the Golden Lions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, always enjoying my time there and learned a lot mm-hmm. and it helped shape me to where I am today. Mm-hmm.
0: So looking at, you know, you moving in and and you know studying sports and and actually doing some research with the um, uh, baseball league and and using that to to uh, do your research in in uh, sport. What have you discovered in terms of the role of sport in in, in your research, like? we know from the outside what did you what did you discover in your research about the importance of sport in in changing uh in transforming society and making impact
1: yeah so you know the thing about sport organizations as a whole is that many of them never had a plan Mm. as to how they wanted to say for example um do a cleanup initiative in a certain community or something like that you know they just Uh, I always call it this toddler method where, you know, you you feed a a toddler a little thing of spaghetti and then they just get it everywhere. And sometimes they throw it on the wall and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. Well, this is what I've noticed uh, when it came to many of these organizations trying to build um, diversity and inclusion initiatives, or they're trying to um, do health screenings in communities. They just did stuff without really engaging with and talking to members of the community, you know? And um, for example, with the baseball study that I did, they were trying to get more black kids involved in the game because as of now, and, and, and what people um can see is that in this last Major League Baseball World Series, there was no black player on yeah. either the team's roster right? The only black person was Dusty Baker, the head coach, right? And so baseball has had programs in place to try to bring more black kids back in the game since 1989. Yet we're still seeing that problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what I discovered in my study was that they don't have a measurement of success with any of the programs that go out. One team says, oh, well, we we had three kids participate in our program, and we sent them out to the beach for the first time ever in their lives. So that's success, <laughs> right? Wow. Where other teams are like, "Well, we don't really know. They, we don't get their parents involved. It's, it's just a lot of stuff going on. We don't understand." So again, it's it's a push for saying that we have these public relations initiatives but they don't work because there's no way to evaluate them. There's no way to understand if it's impacted, impacted the kids. Are they getting scholarships to go to college? You know, they don't know. And so these are a lot of the things that we are seeing within these organizations that needs to be cleaned up for lack of better terms.
0: Mm-hmm. So what you found is they had a vision with no strategy. That they knew, yeah they knew they wanted to impact kids and right. and particularly African-American children to get them into baseball but they didn't have right. a strategy to do so and just came up with some ideas and put them out there with the hopes that they would accomplish what uh they wanted them to accomplish these programs uh, absolutely and you know you have a a good point about you know the importance of strategy I know uh you know, Baseball in the black community used to be big at one point in time. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, now, you know, one of the factors that we have to recognize is the fact that, you know, equipment, you got to have a lot of equipment for baseball, you know, versus some of the other sports. You don't have to have anything, but a ball, you know, right. you don't have to you have the, uh, all the other equipment that comes along with, with, uh, with that particular sport. So tell me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what have you found uh, in that you have found suc- successful in sports um, to be good, sh- uh, some types of strategies that people use in order to be more effective in their a initiatives, diversity, equity and inclusion and accessibility mm-hmm. initiatives, or mm-hmm. in their initiatives for social impact?
1: Yeah, so you know, I can start with the social impact one. Um, there was a uh brief movement that was actually successful um a couple of years ago, uh relative to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which will of course play the the next year because of COVID. Um there was always this push to ban athletes from engaging in pro- Protests while participating in the games. And so there was this petition that was started with uh, the Muhammad Ali Foundation uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, teaming up with uh, sports scholars from across the world to sign this petition to take away that rule that athletes can engage in protests that call out global social issues. And so I was one of those professors that 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 signed this petition, and we of course then sent it out to, uh, the IOC, uh, the International Olympics Committee, in order for them to review it, and we believe that that had a strong impact in the protest then that went on during the Olympics where we saw. Uh, one of the gymnasts uh, engaged in uh, the the power fist, you know, and discussing her uh, thoughts about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we had another protester engaging in the X saying that, you know, we, I'm putting up the X on this pedestal, on this podium, I should say, uh, to talk about all of the people who live in those margins. And so while the Olympics were trying to stop that, we saw that that, that that initial petition to call attention to that uh, helped save a lot of the athletes for being able to speak about things that they're concerned with. And then we saw the big case about uh, Simone Biles in mental health and sports. Mm-hmm. And so again, um, it was the right amount of pressure put on these administrators in the Olympics through this petition that we think uh, had a, a very strong impact for now, having several um conversations about uh, mental health uh, in sports to um talk about, again, how we need to be privy to the notion that we need more people uh, from marginalized backgrounds who are who are owners of teams or who are at least general managers or presidents of teams. Um, you know, not just being athletes, and of course there's nothing wrong with being an athlete, but we need to recognize the intelligence and the uniqueness of others who can be in these positions of power. And we think that that uh, petition was sort of a catalyst to that. And and it's opened up the doors to to various conversations and, and uh, ways in which uh, we can help our society. There have certainly been a lot of um, sport executives who've reached out to me um, here over the last few months to help them build their strategies as well. So a, a lot of good things are going on. It's, 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 it's taking it sweet times, moving at a snail's pace, but we are engaging in those larger conversations.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, athletes have always, uh, been on always. The edge. you know, when you mm-hmm. look at the Olympians in the, the 1968, uh, yeah. uh, Smith, what are their names? I, excuse me. I, do you, oh, uh, Thomas uh, Smith
1: and John Carlos, yes, yeah, yes, uh-huh.
0: yes, yeah. Thomas Smith and John yeah. Carlos, and then when you look uh-huh. at Muhammad Ali using his platform to speak, speak up, and bring attention to issues, you know we've always had athletes in the African American community, and I'm sure in other communities too, who have really, um, um, made it, made it popular to have a conversation. Ooh. About these issues yes. and bringing attention to to these matters. Why do you think that athletes have such influence? In your opinion,
1: athletes are in many cases the the the, the people that the youth look up to. For example, I remember years ago, as a kid myself, um, I saw the 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 Charles Barkley "I'm Not a Role Model" <laughs> commercial, and and you know he's trying to yeah. nowadays he's trying to explain that. Oh, oh! I was just saying that you know you shouldn't just look at athletes. You should look at the teachers and the doctors yeah. and the lawyers. You know, and, and we get that, but we all know that they are not in the limelight in many cases, like a Michael Jordan or a Charles Barkley or or you know, rest in peace Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, uh, Renee Montgomery, and all of these other athletes that are out here. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. The, that's why we see it because, you know, we're seeing these athletes in commercials and taking these global trips, playing in the Olympics. Uh, you know, People are allured by that sort of celebrity. And so, of course, it makes sense to see um, these athletes sort of worshiped in many cases. But still, you know, many people think that the civil rights movement was sort of the beginning of this marriage of sport and politics, but it goes back further than that. You know, we could take it back to 10 years after the the civil war where we had the black jockeys Mm -hmm. who were making the equivalent of what millionaire athletes make today Mm -hmm. who were then cast out of the game because of Plessy versus Ferguson of 1896. Mm -hmm. And so this has been going on, for quite a while, whether athletes wanted to be involved in that political lane or not. And so, you know, it's it's interesting nowadays that several high-profile athletes are using their platform to talk about these social issues because in many cases, they're recognizing that they have the power to do so instead of just after the civil rights movement and we had that dormancy where if you did talk about something, you were cast out of your your sport. Mm -hmm. Well, we're in a society where you can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we're seeing such an attachment to athletes being these um, proponents of social justice.
0: So let me, you know, you called out a few who definitely use their power and their platforms Mm -hmm. to really address social issues. What about those Mm -hmm. hundreds of athletes who do not? What do you say to them or about them? Um, Because, you know, I've heard both sides, you know, why should they take on the responsibility uh, just because they're athletes? But then, like you stated, they have the power and the platform. So how do we, what do you think about those who do not engage in uh, or participate? They're not socially responsible in a way by not speaking out. And what do you say to them to encourage them to do so?
1: Well, I believe first and foremost that many of them don't engage because they, they, they don't believe that they have the power to do so. In one, in one case, I think the more glaring case is that, well, I'm getting paid an exorbitant amount of money, I don't want to lose out on, it. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and and what I say to them is that. You know, hey, we have athletes who are at the top of his or her's game, who have taken the last two years, two three years, and have spoken out against several things, such as voting rights, to um, socioeconomic status, to um, hiring practices, and, and and scholarships. So they should not fear the loss of their reputation. Or the loss of finances simply because you are speaking out on something that really is trying to benefit our society. Um, you know, a lot of people are 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 claiming that you know, like for example, racism doesn't exist. Well, it's 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 alive and well. We see it. It may not be as obvious as say the civil rights movement, but it's there. We know it's there. And so those athletes have to make a choice of whether or not they're going to, again, stand for something that they believe in. Or in many cases, if you don't want to do that, then don't say you do and then don't, because that's going to be even worse. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think about it.
0: So tell me, what do you uh, seek to accomplish as a person who is working with these uh, athletes yeah. and? athletic teams, um, these clubs, what do you want to accomplish yeah. as as a person who's on their team to help them uh, yeah. with their uh, initiatives?
1: Yeah, so I have a, uh, I had a colleague, um, he was a professor, then moved to industry, um, who came up with this term called pracademic, so, so practicing academic, right? I love uh, that, so I in, love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he 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 came up with that and I was like, man that's that's brilliant, man um for sure and and so um my my i, I love conducting research and I love um creating you know knowledge and things that uh, I see from a societal perspective you know I, I try to create knowledge from that but what I also want to do is is translate that to those who are outside of the ivory tower in a sense of saying, hey, if you're wanting to build, for example, if 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 I I was able to do some um uh consulting talks with Nike, for example, and they're trying to build out um, these global strategies and have conversations with um local governments across the world about how they could be impactful in social change. well, if you're trying to have those conversations, and you're not having an understanding of, of the communities that you're trying to impact, then it's just going to be something that's not going to work. And so, my goal is to bridge that gap between the organizations that are trying to build these initiatives and gaining a sense of what the community needs. And so, that's re- relative, uh, uh, that's either through like focus groups or, or or conducting surveys and building out new theories that explain new phenomenon. And so for me, um, the way I want to help is, again, building out that structure, building out those strategies through the research and the outcomes that I get from that research and take it out to these organizations and say, you need to do X, Y, and Z in order for that social responsibility initiative to be impactful. That's the way that I try to go about it.
0: I love it. What what's the name of that term your um, your friend came up with?
1: He called it he, being a pracademic.
0: Pracademic. <laughs> yeah. And see, I I call myself a scholar practitioner. With the with, yeah. and I, I love your your goal to saying, hey, how can we take the lessons we learned in the academy, and which right. is all about theory, right? And apply it right, right. to to, to yes. be uh, to, in practice because a lot of times, like I uh, always say, you know, we live in an intellectual fishbowl, right? And mm-hmm. the, the work that we create, we're really having conversations with each other as scholars, and really right. not taking that information and 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 changing society because we have all these ideas yes. on what will work and what will work will not work. And I really like the fact that you are using your knowledge um, to really help companies um, uh, make their uh, unique impact in the world. And yes. so uh, yeah. we're, uh, we're, we seem to be on the same uh, same trajectory in that way. That's what my work is focused on as well, is how do I take the knowledge and in black-brown relations and help companies to be more effective in organizations in the work that they do. So tell me, you Absolutely. know, who could give advice uh, to, you know, our listeners out there who are athletes and non-athletes who are really interested in using sport to make a difference? Because I, I don't feel like you just have to be a professional athlete. Uh, to, right. to make an impact in your community uh, as an as an athlete you you can do that on the local level as well. So mm-hmm. what advice would you give people who are listening that really want to use sports as a tool as a platform uh, to impact their communities and their society?
1: um this is one thing that you actually mentioned earlier is is that sport has had a long history of diving into uh, larger social issues. Uh, we take it back, for example, to the 1968 Olympics. And uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, when they uh, engaged in the, the black power fist, they did that for a multitude of things, not just supporting Muhammad Ali, who was getting you know, uh, really rode hard against by the government, for not wanting to get into the Vietnam War, but they also did that to bring awareness to, uh, the homelessness issues that were going on across the, the U.S. at that time, and 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 racial reconciliation, and 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 trying to break out these you know laws of discrimination and such. Um, we have to understand that this is not something that's new. This has been a part of. The American fabric for over 150 years. Um, and so once they then have that recognition, you know, it's time to then say, hey, you, you, you sports owner or you team that's that's in my community that's trying to build this stadium or something like that, you need to be aware of how this is going to impact our community. Are you going to be able to provide jobs? for people. You know, and I, and I say this in particular because the city of Inglewood is going through this right now here in LA. Mm-hmm. With SoFi Stadium of course being built uh mm-hmm. finished uh being built uh, uh 3 years ago, the LA Clippers are now building the new stadium right across the way and they're bragging about the fact that this stadium is going to not cause pollution. It's going to be the most environmentally friendly stadium in in the world. Blah, blah, blah. But again, the grassroots organizations, the, the local restaurants, the churches are like, how is this going to benefit us other than bringing in a bunch of people, <laughs> you know, making it overly populated? So people have the power to call out their local leaders, to call out the sport organizations who work together in doing things like this, uh, to say, No, you need to sit down with us and we need to collaborate and we need to build out uh, a strategy that's going to be impactful on all sides. If not, then we're going to not purchase these tickets. We're not going to engage in coming to these games. Baseball already has this problem. Everybody else has the power to do this with the other sports that are popular. So those are some of the things that I think will help us engage in that initial push for user sport to, to create change.
0: So, um, so what um, advice, lastly, what advice would you give professional athletes who are on the, on the um, fence about being engaged yeah. in social impact? Because they're afraid to take the risk, right? The risk mm-hmm. in terms of revenue. And in, like you stated, in terms of, um, a reputation, uh, what advice mm.
1: would you give them? Yeah, uh, you know, is to help them first recognize that you're gonna get called out, whether you say something or not on all sides of the scenario. So you have to make up in your mind that this is just going to happen. Um, then I would say, you know, seek wise counsel from people who have been doing this work, who who have also gone through the 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 melee of being praised and then getting to a lot of vitriol because of what they do. Have an understanding of that. And then pursue, don't pursue these initiatives by yourself. You know, because sometimes we when, when when a lot of athletes go out there and and speak on something without really having that counsel behind them, it backfires in many cases. And it's not to say that they won't make mistakes. Going forward. But it I, I believe that when when it comes to any type of social impact initiative that these athletes want to put out there, they need to have a team of at least three people right there so they can discuss it for a few days and then push something out there. Uh, that would be the best way um, to go about how they can impact. Because of course it's, it's a totally different thing. So many people are going to be in their face. So, so that's the strategy that I believe should work.
0: So I have Dr. Sean Anderson here with us today. And Sean, I always like to end my interview with a strategy for college success. So, could you please tell us what schools did you attend? What were your degrees and majors? and what strategy would you give to students to ensure that they're successful in college?
1: Yeah, so um, my undergraduate degree was from the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, my master's degree was from Arkansas State University. Both degrees were in mass communication, um, focus on broadcast journalism, public relations. Um, my PhD is from West Virginia University um, where I focused on organizational communication and sport communication, um, and it's helped me build my trajectory of work now. Um, it, the advice that I would give for a college success, uh, with of course being a student, and now being in an administrative role uh, as a department chair, um, it's always uh, an interesting path when you're trying to uh change the world for, for many people who are going to college, especially if they're trying to go to college to 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 because they want to have some impact on the world, is that in some cases you have to move forward, despite the fact that there won't be a lot of people who believe in your ideas initially. <laughs> you know, there, there are a lot of people who will say no to you, um, who will talk down on your ideas and your beliefs, but it's it it during those tough times. It's it's the encouragement of yourself and seeking out people who are kind of in that lane already that you want to get into. That would be the most impactful for your journey. Uh, I had to learn that the hard way <laughs> coming through because, uh, like I said, I wanted I was in a small town in Arkansas and I was saying, I want to be on ESPN and I want to be this 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 big time anchor, and a lot of people didn't believe that you know but i had to do it anyway and, and and i say that to say i actually just recently um had my debut on espn a couple of weeks ago as a feature commentator for one of their 30 for 30 documentaries
0: congratulations And so
1: yeah i appreciate that and so that is what i would say is that's a unique thought process But a way to go about being successful is really truly believing in yourself and not giving up on why you're at your institution and really think about how you wanna make an impact.
0: Love that advice, move forward despite the naysayers. You know, um, Mm -hmm. someone told me that just a couple of weeks ago, I was getting frustrated over uh, a few things with my business. And he was like, no. Everybody's not gonna believe in your vision. You have to you, you have to believe in your vision, not everybody else. And you keep moving forward despite the no's. And so um that is great advice because uh when you're in college, you have a vision of the, the things you wanna accomplish in life, what you wanna do in life. And there are gonna be some people that don't believe because they don't, they they god gave you that vision they didn't so keep going beyond the naysayers thank you so much dr anderson we appreciate that great advice a special thank you to the incredible team of the empowerment zone terry Gully, theme song nadworks digital support and of course our featured guest